As we wrap this up, um, last week we talked about this idea that as a house of prayer, we're a family of prayer. And uh, one of the hardest things is when Jesus gave us this prescription of our Father, it puts us right in the middle of our, it's, that's us, that makes us siblings. And um, <laughs> and what it gives us is, is it gives us the opportunity um, to be known. See, family is God's design for a deep, intimate connection of being truly known. The problem is the biggest enemy of being truly known is the fear and the shame maybe attached of being truly known. Uh, so we're going to look at uh, the first family of creation for insight uh, to ha- our fight between desperately wanting and needing to be known and, and probably what we all tend to do at times, and we default to hiding. Um, we're going to look at the book of Genesis, and in the book of Genesis, in chapter 2, verse 25, this is the story of creation, and God creates man and woman, and, and it says, I'm real quickly, I'm going to read this in verse uh, 25 of chapter 2, it says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed or embarrassed. So I want, I want us to catch this. The, the origin are, the original design for humanity is that we were naked and we were not ashamed and we were not embarrassed. Fast forward, Genesis 3, we see sin enter the picture. Sin enters the picture. Adam and Eve, they go and they hide, and this is where we're going to pick up. Then the eyes of the two of them were opened. That is, their awareness increased, and they knew that they were naked. And they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze of the day. So the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And God said, (laughs) who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten fruit from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave me. (laughs) Men. The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate it. So God turns to the woman and he says, woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman says, the serpent deceived me, beguiled and deceived me and I ate from the forbidden tree. See, Adam and Eve were the first to sin and they were the first ones in humanity to attempt to do something other than presenting themselves in the fullness, the vulnerability, and the wholeness of who they were. They were the first ones in humanity to put on a mask, to try and hide, to present a fake self. They try to spin their sin. They hide themselves because of the shame and the fear attached to being truly known all of themselves, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like Adam and Eve, have you ever found yourself hiding in relationships, ashamed of truly being known by God or others? I'm going to be vulnerable and just tell you that I I spent a, a great 
a great deal of my life hiding. And my mask that I hid behind was performance. I realized that if I could just perform at a really high level, that people would look at me potentially advantageously and they would accept me. But I was hiding behind it. And I made achievements my idol. You may think, looking at me, well, this you're a pastor. When, did you come to that realization 25 years ago when you gave your life to Jesus? No. I came to that realization a year and a half ago when I woke up in a trauma unit, lying in a bed after I was killed in the middle of a street, and the Lord said to me, everything, Pat, that you ever thought mattered doesn't matter, and you have an issue with performance. You think you have to perform to be accepted. And I laid there crying in the trauma unit, and he said, you know, you've never had to perform to be my son. God has been in the business of healing me physically over the last year and a half, but more importantly, he's been getting at my heart. And the best thing that I could do for you this morning is present to you in a vulnerable state what it looks like in my own humanity, in my own humanity. To have the courage to step in, the courage to step in. I want, I want to be known. I want to be known. us overcome this fear of shame so we can truly live in the intimate connection that we were made for. The number one way to live in a deep intimate connection of being truly known is in the practice of confession. And confession is a practice, but it's also an invitation. And so this morning, my sermon called it to cover up. It's a cover up. As God's house of prayer, would you join me this morning in prayer? Holy Spirit, soften our hearts here this morning. God, my goal, Lord, is to be submitted to you and surrendered to you that, so at the end of the day that individuals in this room, including myself, can walk out of here with things broken off of us that we felt like we've had to hold on to for so long. 
you are a God, an intimate Father who wants to know us. You chased after humanity. Where are you, Adam? And this morning, you're asking each one of us, where are you? Here we are. We give, we give our hearts to you this morning, open, willing, our ears ready to hear. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen and amen. Can you just give Robert a huge round of applause? I don't know, should I just preach with him up here the whole time? <laughs> it's his, yeah, his poor fingers. Listen, conf confession is a practice. In, in James 5.16, I, I, love, I love James. James was known as like, uh, I think he was called the son of thunder. Uh, he uh, he kind of had that brass tacks, bottom line kind of personality. He just told you. He's going to, hey, I'm just going to tell you straightforward. He didn't mince his words. He didn't, he didn't like give you a compliment, tell you what you needed to change, and then give you a compliment on the back end. You know that weird sandwich that we've been taught to do? Um, he just tells you, so this is what he says. He goes, therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps and your offenses, and pray. So confess your sins to one another, and then pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. So uh, this word confession means to agree, to admit, or to say the same thing. To agree, to admit, or say the same thing. But who are we agreeing with? What are we admitting? And what are we saying the same thing to? We're actually agreeing, admitting, and saying the same thing as God does about falling short, that it's a sin. We're just coming into, we're coming into agreement with what God has already said. That's what confession is. It's when I get to the point of my, my road where I go, hey, listen, this thing that I've been trying to spin and I've been trying to make positive, I get to that place where God's looking at it the whole time and he's going, nah, dude, that's not it. And confession is that place I get to where I come into agreement and admit the thing that God's been saying about my performance for a while, I actually admit and I come into agreement with it. Are, are you with me on confession? It really means that I've fallen short of righteousness. Uh, falling short, that simply means sin. Um, it's, this is what righteousness, I talked about this last week, God's way, God's thinking, God's motive to act. This is God's way of doing things as a priority according to his preferences. One of the things, if we call God Father, we have to understand that God as a person has preferences. You have preferences. There's things that you prefer in relationship. God has preferences, but his preferences are righteous and holy and glorious. Mine aren't. Sometimes my preferences are self-centered. Are you with me this morning? We're all in need of the practice of confession because we've all what? Fallen short. I love in Romans 3.23, since all have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God. There's not one of us. There is not one of us that walks in life perfectly. None of us are gonna get it right 100% of the time. No husband, no wife, no son, no daughter, no boss, no employee. We're not going to get it right 100% of the time. We're gonna fall short. We're gonna have faults and offenses is what James said that we're gonna need to admit. As God's family... Confession, then, 
is, 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 is made to people, we can confess to one another, but we're confessing to one another before God. There's something powerful about when I just stood and I just admitted to you, I confessed to you, I didn't admit to you something that you needed to hear, I was admitting and agreeing and saying the same thing that God was saying about me. I stood in front of you and confessed. Could you feel the difference? You know how freeing that is for me to be able to just go, oh my gosh, dude, I just get this off my chest. That wasn't the first time, by the way, that I had admitted that. But it also does something in you. But more importantly, that happened before God. Therefore, confess your sins to one another your false steps and offenses. This is the understanding that I want to grab a hold of real quickly, that you confess once that Jesus is your Lord and Savior to be saved, and then you confess daily where you still fall short of looking like Jesus. Um, the mistake that modern church, I, I think uh, presently, what, what it says is it says that it presents spiritual maturity by needing to confess less. The modern church says, oh, uh, the more that you need to come in and you need to pray and you need to seek forgiveness and you need to confess where you're wrong, you must be a bad Christian. And God is returning us back to a place of understanding that we, in our humanity, we're imperfect and we need the practice of confession to be habitual. Like every single day, there's things, there's mindsets, there's, there's things that come out of my mouth, there's, there's attitudes, there's, there's body language. You're, we say a lot to, you know, in our body language. There are things that, that we want to cover up and we want to hide behind that we need to, this is not spiritual maturity, confess less. Spiritual maturity is habitual daily confession. So what is it? Confession becomes the practice of putting down the fig leaf, okay? That I have the propensity to want to pick up the fig leaf and hide behind it because of shame. To put down the performance, to put, put, to put down the fake self, to put down what it is, whatever it is that I want to present to you thinking that you're going to love me more. Confession is this practice of putting down the fig leaf and taking up the responsibility for where you have fallen short. So the shame of falling short will use blame to shift responsibility. The shame of falling short will use blame to shift responsibility. Check this out. Genesis 3.12. Adam, why'd you blow it, bro? And what does Adam say? He shifts the blame. He shifts the responsibility out of shame. What does he say? It's the woman that you gave me. Men, quit blaming the woman. Okay? The, 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 let, let me just break this down. There's this, there's this funny debate sometimes, like, well, who sinned for, like, who was sinning? Okay, let me just, Adam, he knew better, and he didn't say no. Men, like, we're the leaders in the house of God. 
in the structure of biblical family, men, you're the head, you're the leader. There are things that God has, he like, you know better. I know better. And, and what do I do? I just go like, yeah, just go ahead. Just keep, yep, just eat the fruit. <laughs> we lose our man card because we don't have the sauce to be able to go, I don't think this is what God prescribed. So that's called a sin of omission. Okay? Eve. (laughs) She knew better, but she said yes. That's a sin of commission. Both are sins. So the the confession is, uh, I repent for what I did, but wasn't supposed to do. Or for what I didn't do, but I was supposed to do. Are you following me? (laughs) Confession is a practice of doing our part of taking responsibility. And confession is an invitation. I I, I love this. Um, In James, and I just read James 5.16, just before that, let, let let me back up a little bit. This is what James says. He says, is anyone among you suffering? I mean, Scripture's kind of asking the question, is anyone among you suffering? Okay, cool, some of you, awesome. Love the courage of vulnerability. Uh, he, he must pray. If you're suffering, he, he must, you, you must pray. Is anyone joyful? Is anyone of you joyful? Amen. You're to sing praises to God. Thank you, God. We'd be like, yes, like, right? Um, he says, is anyone among you sick? Is there anyone here sick? Viewers, okay. He must call for the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins and pray for one another. Therefore confess, that word, therefore confess. Uh, So what is confess and pray for one another? Therefore. It says therefore. What's it therefore? Okay, there's a trick. When you're reading scripture, it says therefore, you gotta back up to find out what it's there for. Because you're about to read something that Jesus, that God is prescribing to us. What's it there for? So we back up. What's it there for? That you may be Healed and restored. That word here, it means to be made whole. Confessing our wrongdoings leaves us whole rather than hurting. So many times we come into church, we, 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 go, we show up to that group, we, we call, we text, we leave that voice, I'm just hurting, I'm hurting, man. It's like, I don't know what to do. Confess. 
If you're suffering, confess and pray for one another. If you're sick, confess and pray for one another. If you want to be healed, confess and pray for one another. If you want to be made whole, confess and pray for one another. If your head is heavy because you've been walking around life presenting the mask of your fake self, confess and pray for one another. Psalms 32.3, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all the day long. Why, why, like literally so you know, when we don't confess and we hold on to things, it will create physical sickness in your body. That, by, by the way, like our friends, our science friends, they've proven this. This is not like, oh, pastor, that sounds nice. Really smart people are like, yeah, when you hold on to things, bro, like, this isn't good. So confession is this invitation into healing and living in wholeness. You were created to live whole. But maybe, maybe we're walking around surviving, living half when we were meant to thrive and live whole. Confession helps us conquer society's obsession with the image of celebrity. It helps us conquer society's obsession with the image of celebrity by fulfilling our need of the intimacy of connection. Let, let me define this. The image of celebrity, being well-known. Being well-known. Like, you could show up in another state and people are like, hey, aren't you? You could be really well-known. Someone could post your picture online and people are like, oh, we know, like celebrity, being well known. The that's the image of celebrity. The intimacy of connection is being known well. And there's a difference. The difference between being well known and being known well. I can be known widely but never be known deeply. And you were created to be known deeply. Are you with me? So a celebrity allows me to be regarded highly but remain hidden. It, it allows me to continue to wear the mask. This gets heavy. It was funny. I was, I was at, a, I was at a, a very famous uh, uh, park on Friday um, that there's lots of rides at up in Anaheim. <laughs> my four-year-old had never been to that park and we've got seven children so we've got lots of history we'd go whatever anyway so uh my four-year-old she she's at the end of the night we're in the center of downtown of this place and um all of these all these mascots come out you know and there's this one he's a dog and he, they call him pluto and She's like getting a picture with Goofy and a picture with Minnie and a picture in my forehead. She's just all about it. She's like, yeah. So I'm standing in line with her and she's already gotten a picture. She's going to take another picture with Minnie. And she goes, dad, is, th is there a person in that, in that outfit, in that, in where that, ma with that mask, like, you know, Minnie Mouse, big mouse head, right? Is, that, is there a person in there? I go, yeah, there's a person in there. She's like, oh. 
And, and the girl, and we were the last ones in line, and the, and the worker there at this famous park was saying, hey, sorry, we have to give, we have to give you know, um, the mascot a break. We have to give Minnie a break um, because, um, you know, she'll be back out in like 10 minutes. And I realized, like, God, it's got to be, it's got to be a lot of work to walk around in, covered in this thing and sweating and this head. And, and it, it reminded me that that's what we're doing. We, we, we see that, and, and what it does is it drives home this idea that you need to continue to cover yourself. You need to continue to present yourself. You need to continue to wear the mask, but it gets heavy. And even at this famous park, they give rest and a break from that. And here we are in humanity, and we continue to bear the burden of wearing masks and presenting our fake self. Confession restores the intimacy of being fully known. Let, let, me, let, me, let me define this word intimacy. Intimacy occurs when we live fully exposed in truthfulness, transparency, vulnerability, and responsibility. Let me say that again. Intimacy occurs when we live fully exposed in truthfulness, transparency, vulnerability, and responsibility. Intimacy is the refusal to hide under sin's cover of shame. Intimacy is you and I's refusal to hide under the cover of sin shame. And it takes courage. I'm going to read this. There's a, there's a great author, and he, he was a pastor. His name's John Mark Comer. And he, he just wrote a book. And this is an excerpt from his book. I, I would like to read this. It says, And the beginning of our healing slash salvation is what Christians call confession. Confession is a core practice of the way. And contrary to what many think, it's not all about beating yourself up in public. It's about courageously naming your woundedness and wickedness in the presence of loving community as you journey together toward wholeness. It's about not only the confession of sin, but also the confession of what is true. Who you are, who Christ is, and who you truly are in Christ. It's about coming out of hiding into acceptance, leaving behind all shame. And confession is our part in dealing with sin. God is the physician, we're the patient. All we can do is set our sin in his light. His job is to deal with our sin, and our job is to confess our secrets. It's to live in a way that is open, true, and laid before God in community. I'm going to have Robert join me up here. God pursues you in the midst of sin, in the midst of shame, in the midst of putting on masks and presenting our fake self. God pursues you just like he pursued Adam and Eve in the garden. Where are you? God is pursuing intimacy with you. He's not afraid. He doesn't look at your sin and say you should cover it with shame. He said, when I see your sin, I gave my son to cover 
what you want to cover with shame. That God wants to return us back to the innocence of our nakedness in the garden. He wants to return us back to a place of truly being willing to be seen and known. That actually is family. And when I confess, I'm actually proving that I believe in the grace that God is pursuing me with. When I confess to you, when I confess before you, I believe that God is pursuing me, but not just me, he's pursuing a family to cover us. This question, where are you? It's the invitation. It's a confession. I was thinking about this. Like, what would have happened in that moment? Adam and Eve sin. God's like, where are you? What if they would have just been like, Lord, we totally take responsibility. We blew it. We confess. I'm not rewriting scripture. I'm just presenting to you what sin wants to do to us through the perversion of shame. Where are you is an invitation to quit hiding. What are you hiding? Confession is this invitation back to intimacy. Back to being known. Back to being loved. Back to God's presence in a way that we were created for. And what I'll tell you is the vulnerability of confession is where the joy of our victory is. The vulnerability of confession, the courage it takes, the vulnerability of confession is where the joy of our victory is. When we confess our sins, we finally get to take off the mask. We get to lay it down. The number one way to live in deep, intimate connection of being truly known is in the practice of confession. This will be the cornerstone of this house. This will be the cornerstone of this house. That we will be a house of prayer, but we will also be a family of confession. And I have to tell you something. We're going to take communion in a second. Every single revival in history didn't begin with signs and wonders. It began with confession. Confession says, God, I'm not, I'm not going to bring my prescriptive idea. I'm going to bring my pain. I'm not going to try and control it. 
I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to shift blame. I am going to bring myself to you in front of others as a family. And you will bring revival because of the humility of our confession. And so I pray for revival. I pray for revival in this house. I pray for revival in your life. I pray for revival in your neighborhoods. I pray for revival in this church, through this church, in our cities. But it begins in confession. Let's close our eyes this morning. We're going to take communion, and Scripture tells us before we take communion, That we need to like we need to we need to make sure that we're dealing with things that need to be dealt with. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. This is this is a simple practice of confession. You can use this every day. You're gonna ask and you're gonna declare. You're gonna ask and you're gonna name. You're gonna ask and you're gonna name. I love Psalms 139:23. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to this is the prayer, this is the question. The psalm says, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Speak to us here this morning, Lord. Search our hearts. there's something you need to confess right now before the Lord, you can just just begin to confess those things. If you're sitting with somebody that you came with, that you're close to, you can turn to, and you can even share some time together, that's actually, that's totally fine. Just begin to share with one another. Hey, I just, it might be something between the two of you, Maybe you argued on the way here, family. Maybe there's something last night, the way that you spoke, I don't know. Maybe it's just something that you need to confess and get off of your heart. Just begin right now to confess. Confession is terrifying. It's terrifying because we live in a, we live in a culture that cancels in God's economy and in his kingdom. He lives in an economy of confession that brings intimate connection. So God, we're not gonna run. We, we sit here, but we present our hearts to you here this morning. We confess, Lord Jesus. God, I confess in my own life where I've fallen short and I've tried to take control and I've tried to perform thinking that that's what you asked of me. But in truth, I was just, I was hiding 
Forgive me, Lord. So this practice of confession, I want, I want you to take it with you throughout the week. You're going to say, search me, Lord, Psalm 139. You're going you're gonna to name where you've fallen short. And you're going to declare it. Admit it. Now as a family... What humanity continues to this day to try to cover on our own, God sent his son Jesus Christ to cover once and for all in his blood. To return us back to the innocence of being naked in the garden. To conquer guilt and shame. And as we take communion today, it's a reminder of Jesus' blood that was shed. We need covering, but it's by the blood of Jesus. So Lord, as we prepare to take communion, just take your cup and there's two tabs. You can pull back the first tab, you're gonna get a little a wafer. This represents his body. And so if you could just hold, hold, that, hold that wafer. And if, if you would be courageous enough, if you could just hold that in front of you. As a sign, a symbol, if you will, of our offering. To agree and admit that God, we need your son's body, Jesus. We need the person of Jesus in our life. We need the person of Jesus to help us return. He, him giving his life is the ultimate invitation for us to return to the innocence that we were created in and for. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for giving us his body that was broken for us. You can partake. And with this cup representing his blood, With this cup, if you if you feel courageous enough, would you just stand with this cup? I had this picture that as we took this, that the Lord is going to give some of you for the first time an anointing of his presence from the top of your head to the tip of your toes things that you've been carrying, shame and guilt, masks, presenting your fake self, thinking that you have to present yourself 
something other than who you really are because people will love you and accept you. That as we do this, that what God's doing is he's bringing back the innocence. And some of you are going to experience and feel a tangible experience of God's anointing of his blood on your body. But I will tell you that none of us, as we participate in this, this is a sign, a symbol, and helps us remember that we no longer have to hide. We don't have to cover ourselves. God wants to give you an eternal rest from the stress and the strain of what it is that you've been trying to keep up. The fear of being found out that today, Lord, as we take this, as we drink this cup, it's reminding us of your blood that was shed once and for all to cover full of grace, full of mercy, to cover all of the parts of our lives where we're gonna fall short and we're gonna get it wrong. God, we take responsibility today for the things that we need to take responsibility for and we thank you. This is with a heart of joy that we're gonna get to take this. There's joy and gratitude behind this. God, thank you that you don't require any performance to be called son and daughter, that you don't require anything from us to be considered brother and sister to one another, that we are siblings to a father who has a mighty kingdom. And today we're gonna stand in that spirit underneath the anointing of revival. And it begins in our own confession. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood. You can partake. Now, the beginning of this was if any of you are sick or suffering. So I'm just going to do what the Bible, what the Word of God, the infallible and errant Word of God says to do. It says that if you're sick or if you're suffering, that you should get prayer and that we should confess. And so if there's something that you need prayer for this morning, my encouragement to you is please Come get prayer from our ministry team. Let us pray with you. There's so much power in sharing this time with one another. So let's pray as we leave. Lord, thank you for, thank you for your covering. But more importantly, I also thank you that you've given us a prescription. If you're sick and suffering, let us confess and pray with one another. If you need prayer, you can just begin coming forward right now if you need prayer for anything. If you... Yeah. Yeah. Come on. 
this is the invitation. And it's terrifying. But it's full of tremendous power. Yeah. We just had our first Jesus nights on Tuesday night. And it was so awesome hearing the reports of um, a couple women that got prayer and, and actually received healing. And so we believe in the power of this confession and prayer for one another. We believe in the power of God's healing hand if you're sick and you're suffering. And so this is something that we've been really, really, really uh, digging wells, deep wells before we even walked in here this morning, believing that this is what God wants to do. He's a healing God. He's a God of wholeness. If you've been struggling uh, emotionally, I just feel like the Lord really wants to touch emotional health. If you've been struggling emotionally, we've been talking about anxiety and loneliness in the last couple of weeks. If you've been struggling, God, I, I just feel like God wants to he wants to give himself to you in a way that you walk in wholeness. And so don't leave here without, without getting prayer. For the rest of us, Lord, let us, let us walk in the practice of confession, that it would be a sign of mature faith, that a sign of mature faith would be the continual habitual practice of confession. That there's things that we see there might be drought in certain situations, but God, you're wanting to pour yourself out into. You're wanting to, to revive. You're wanting to literally burst forth, break open the floodgates. And so, Lord, let it, let it begin in just the humility of confession. Restoration of families. Restoration of relationships. Relationships that have been broken. Let us be marked as a family of confession. We thank you. Thank you for the joy and the victory that's in the vulnerability of confession. If you need prayer this morning, feel free and come forward for the rest of you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Let us practice confession this week. In Jesus' powerful name, amen, amen.